really loved watching the community gather with this new chair configuration. it was a real delight to actually see us coming in together and creating a body. there may be some of you who don't like it or maybe you'll grow into it, maybe you won't, but that was one of my favorite ah parts this morning of this new chair configuration and secondly singing that was really lovely singing more in the round. i feel like i can hear your voices in a new or different way. it's good. it's good to be gathered together. i begin my uh, sermon this morning with a promise a promise that I did not hand-select this text for the day that we are making a decision about what to do with a multi-million dollar home that we own on Capitol Hill. I promise I did not hand-select this text in which Jesus looks at a wealthy man with love and tells him he lacks only one thing. There's only one more thing he must do to be ready for God's reign. Go and sell all you have and give it to those in need. Then you will have treasure in heaven. After that, come and follow me. I promise. (laughs) There was no premeditated plotting involved in the selection of this scripture for this day. It's just straight up lectionary magic. I begin with this promise. Next, I'm going to begin with some finger pointing and blaming. Jesus made me do it. Jesus made me preach that it is so ludicrously impossible for a wealthy person to enter God's reign that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And no, there was no needle eye gate heading into Jerusalem that a camel could only get through if it unloaded its baggage and got on its knees. Any of the rest of you ever hear that interpretation with that little bit of historical factoid, supposedly? Yeah, I did. Um, And I'm here to tell you it's crap. (laughs) It was completely made up by medieval folks in the ninth century who didn't very much like what Jesus had to say here about the laughable impossibility of wealth in his kingdom. I begin with that promise and now some blaming and finger pointing. Jesus made me do it. Jesus is pretty blunt here in this text, and also funny. Frederick Beekner in 1977 paraphrased the camel and the eye of the needle joke in this way. It's harder for a wealthy person to enter God's kingdom than for Nelson Rockefeller to get through the night deposit slot of the First National City Bank. <laughs> it's a little dated. Uh, so how about for the two wealthiest people on earth right now? Our next door neighbors right here in Seattle. It's harder for a wealthy person to enter God's kingdom than for Bill Gates to go through the heart of a kilobyte. It's harder for a wealthy person to enter God's kingdom than for Jeff Bezos to get through the abandoned keyhole of one of the many small businesses his Amazon behemoth has shuttered. Snap. Or how about for our billionaire hopeful It's harder for a wealthy person to enter God's kingdom than for Michael Bloomberg to get through the ballot slot in the ballot box. (laughs) Maybe so. Or for our millionaire hopefuls, it's harder for a wealthy person to enter God's kingdom than for Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, and yes, Bernie Sanders, to get through through a pore in Donald Trump's skin. (laughs) 
Or how about one more? Another, another millionaire that you all might know and love. It's harder for a wealthy person to enter God's kingdom than for salt of the earth Seattle Mennonite church to get through a salt shaker. Ooh, snap again, eh? <laughs> Ooh, we all laughing along with Jesus yet? <laughs> and his provocative joke? Remember, I didn't select this text, and Jesus made me do it. Y'all, this text is hard. It just is. It's laughably impossible for the wealthy to enter God's kingdom, and I'm going to resist the temptation this morning to soft-pedal that message from Jesus, to join in the long line of people throughout the ages who have squirmed to get out from under Jesus' clear statement. I'm just not going to do that this morning. Because Jesus... Jesus' blunt clarity here is not meant to be soft-pedaled. It's meant to be impossible, ludicrously so, as impossible as an orca going through the knot of some fish line. John and I are reading a book aloud together right now. It's uh, local author Timothy Egan, who many of you probably know. His newest book is A Pilgrimage to Eternity from Canterbury to Rome in search of a faith. Uh, So near the end of sabbatical this last fall, energized by our experience of a shared pilgrimage of sorts on the coast-to-coast walking path across northern rural England, we got tickets to hear Timothy Egan speak at Town Hall. It was a reading and it was a book launch for this most recent pilgrimage tome where he details his journey on the Via Francigena an ancient pilgrimage route. So we received a copy of the book, and the other day, John, we take turns reading, and John was reading, and he got to this passage from Egan's story with some monks at an abbey in northern France. I take a brisk shower, change into fresh clothes, and slip down the stairway as light-footed as a spirit. I want to see the layout. The monks tend beehives, vines, and greenhouses. Their vegetable rows look terrific. Clean lines of beets, carrots, spinach, lettuce, rhubarb, potatoes. I wave to a man who is sweating through his ankle-length cassock while pushing a wheelbarrow. He doesn't acknowledge me. I assume he's deep in thought or prayer or contempt for strangers who wave at monks. There are no power tools that I can see, no motorized tractors. After leaving the empty ruins of Saint-Barten, it's great to see a living abbey, people who've given up all their possessions for a higher purpose. What did Pope Francis say when asked how to renew wonder? Live lean. And at this point, I stopped John. Wait, what page are you on? 55, why? I knew I wanted to remember that for this upcoming sermon, which I was already thinking about and praying about and working on, but also for my life. How does one renew a sense of wonder? Live lean. Egan goes on with a direct quote from Pope Francis. The more I have, the more I want. It kills the soul. 
And within a few sentences, Egan is explicitly referring to Matthew's version of this very same story that we just heard this morning, of the rich man who asked Jesus what he needs to do to enter God's kingdom for eternity, and the Jesus who tells him that he lacks only one thing, which is to go and sell all you possess and give it to those who have need. Because it's not my job to soft-pedal Jesus, I'm going to leave his admonition hanging there and offer just a few nuggets of my own thoughts and wondering as I sort of hang out with Jesus' admonition. First little pearl, Jesus looking at him loved him. It's the only time in Mark's gospel that we are told explicitly that Jesus loved someone. It's the only person in the whole gospel that Jesus explicitly loves, according to Mark. Jesus knows the call is hard, impossibly hard. And while he's clear that wealth has no place in the kingdom, he has love for the one who has much wealth, who is crestfallen, who walks away sorrowfully. A second pearl, our Lenten theme, as you've already heard, is we want to see. And it's a longing that threads its way through our Lenten readings that we're going to be hearing each week through this second half of Mark. And this week I'm wondering about how wealth clouds our vision, prevents us from seeing clearly. What are we unable to see or to access or to know because of our wealth? A third pearl, I'm thinking again of an incredibly helpful reframing that someone offered to me several years ago now. I wish I could remember the source. I don't. We so often talk about the problem of poverty, the root causes of poverty, how we might respond to and eradicate poverty in our communities. But we don't have a poverty problem, this person suggested. We have a wealth problem. And what happens to our thinking if we flip that on its head a little bit, an accumulation and pooling of wealth problems. So then what is, what are the root causes of wealth accumulation, we might ask instead? And how might we eradicate that? And that leads me to a first and fourth and final pearl, um, this whole, uh, do we have a poverty problem or a wealth problem? Um, led me to... Uh, think about this podcast that somebody just uh, introduced to me. It's called The Outsiders. I don't know if anybody, is anybody else listening to The Outsiders? Have you heard this? Yeah, awesome. Um, It's produced by investigative journalists from KNKX Public Radio in Olympia in collaboration with the Project Homeless Folks at the Seattle Times. And um, it's all about homelessness on the West Coast and this phenomenon that's just blowing up. Um, So it's very much centered in Olympia. It's sort of a year in the life of Olympia, but it's also very much um, explicitly addressing and taking place in Seattle and Boise and the whole sort of booming region. Highly recommend. Um, Speaking of town hall, there's going to, The Outsiders is going to be at town hall on Tuesday evening for a free, I don't know if it's a live taping or if they're just speaking. Anyway, there's going to be some interesting stuff at town hall on Tuesday if you're free. One episode, they really looked closely at the era of growth that we've been experiencing for years now in our city and in our region. And they were looking at the statistics that are related to the many and varied traditionally understood root causes of homelessness. 
So tracking all these different markers that are typically associated with homelessness. But none of them track the dramatic increase in homelessness. There's only one correlation with the rapid rise in homelessness, and that is rising rent. It's the only one that tracks the dramatic growth of homelessness in our city and in our region. So they track one another really closely, and they, they suggest, these journalists suggest that it's really that simple. It's the only thing that's tracking the, right, the, the rise of homelessness right here, literally at our front door. Um, Jonathan is cleaning up every single morning on our campus. And this morning when I got here, wow, whew. So literally right here in our front door, the only thing that is tracking this dramatic boom and this rise is our accumulation of wealth, the pooling of wealth and the rising rents that come with that. Homelessness is not rising in spite of our growing prosperity as a city and a region, but because of our prosperity and the pooling of wealth. So it gives me a pretty clear picture about why wealth can't be part of the kingdom of God, because there can't be need in the kingdom of God. And need is created by the pooling of wealth. So far from being a blessing from God, might wealth actually be an impediment from full participation in the vulnerable and interdependent and countercultural kingdom of God? When Jesus tells the rich man to go, um, the word there, the Greek word, is actually to get up, and it's the same word that's used throughout Mark in the healing stories. So what the first command that Jesus often offers in those healing narratives is get up. So like get up, take your mat, and walk. And that's perhaps the point here in this story as well. Jesus is inviting the wealthy man to be healed to get up and be healed of his sickness of accumulation. I promise I did not hand-select this text for today, and I'm blaming Jesus for all the hard stuff. All I did this morning, how this makes me think of it, uh, shouldn't do it, a pastor friend who one time her church was complaining because she kept preaching about wealth. She's like, you do know the source material I'm working with, right? (laughs) Anyway, blaming Jesus for all the hard stuff. All I did this morning was refuse to soften the blow. And all of that is because I just want to, I want to see more clearly than I do. I want us together, collectively, today with Evergreen Mennonite, very specifically, I want us to see more clearly than we are able to, maybe perhaps with the blinding glitter of our wealth impeding our vision. And I want us to be part of God's kingdom. I want to be part of God's kingdom where there is no need. I want us to be part of kingdom, God's kingdom, where all have plenty, and no one goes hungry or homeless or hurting. That is what I long for. May it be so in our church, in our city, in our country, in our world. Amen.